the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. You may have noticed our new theme song by Chad Strader. We're so grateful to Chad for allowing us to use all of his music on the show. And if you like it, it's available on Apple Music. So thank you, Chad. Friends, in today's show, we will focus again on values. In part one of the series, which aired on February 27th, Christy and I talked about values and how they drive our actions. And we define values as the things that we hold up as important We give the things we value our fullest attention. They receive the majority of our time, and we spend our money according to our values. In fact, values determine all of our choices, and our choices inform the world about the values which drive us. But whose values are they? The world's, ours, or God's? If God is important to us, then we will value what God values. His values will determine the choices we make and the actions which follow from those choices. If we value what the world values, then our choices will follow from there. And if we value what the world values, then we have to ask, is God really important to us? Because the world's values and God's values are almost always the opposite. And we're going to talk about that today with our special guest, Pastor Jeff Neal from Logos Community Church in Harlingen, Texas. Pastor Jeff, welcome. And good to be here, Rich, Christy. Thank you so much. Um, friends, as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my motivating wingman. And before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Pastor Jeff, would you please pray for us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Heavenly Father, we're we so grateful that we can uh, do this freely and that we can 
join and discuss uh, something that's very important to us, uh, our values that come from you. And so I pray for the listeners. I pray for, for those of us that are speaking this morning, that, that, that we are receptive to you, that we are attentive to you. Uh, Father, that we seek to glorify you most of all, and that you will, um, you will do the work necessary to bring our lives into uh, obedience with your will. And we love you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, Jeff and I go back, how many years, Jeff? 30? Well, nine? I mean, more than 30, right? So I, I, you were my squad leader in <laughs> Navy ROTC at Duke in the fall of 1986. So that's uh, more than 30 years, right? Yeah. Okay, folks, don't do the math on that. Uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, we're kind of old. Um, Jeff and I went to college together at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, and Jess from Charlotte. Not old at all. Thank you. And then we were in the Marines, and Jeff was an infantry officer. And Jeff, uh, tell us about how you came to know Jesus and to give your life to ministry. Yeah, so I was um, I was one of those guys that you know, a lot of people call Charlotte the buckle of the Bible Belt, and so I grew up in uh, you know the type of neighborhood where everybody was in church, and and I was raised in a Christian home at church, you know every week went to church camps, youth group. I was that guy, and then I got to Duke, and and I would have told anyone I was a Christian, believed that to my bones, but I was not. It was not really affecting the way I was living. Um, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about values. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was moral in some senses, but but quite immoral in others. And it was actually, it was actually a navigator's Bible study at the basic school in Quantico, Virginia, as a second lieutenant after graduation. That that a friend uh, invited me to a Bible study, and I thought, well, yeah, absolutely, I'm a Christian. And it was about the third session there the third week that I realized whatever those guys were, I was not. They had a, um, a confidence in their salvation. They they had a relationship with Jesus that I just did not have. And so it was there at, at 22 in Quantico, Virginia, where I gave my life to the Lord. And then from then, that point on, really, it's just been a, a growth of serving the Lord in churches and then uh, called into full-time ministry uh, around 2008, and then um, and then called to, you know, pastor a church, come down into Harlingen, Texas, and pastor a church in uh, 2013. So that's, that's the short version. Amen. Our God is so great. I know Christy, as a transformational coach, is hearing all kinds of things in there. Well, what I'm, I'm hearing is uh, how stories are similar and i'm just wondering about that uh various pastors we've talked to my story your story colonel couch is uh yeah i think he said the same thing and it's like it's once god draws us to him whatever age it is um i i kind of have the assumption or not the assumption but the opinion like wow i really wish he had drawn me soon earlier like i had come to that place i was 28 when I came to that place, Jeff, you were saying 22, but then I hear the words from that point on, and I'm I'm probably going to fill in some words, but he just kept drawing me closer. And it's just, it's, it's just amazing that if once we get to that place and we continue to walk with him, 
draw closer uh, what can really um, come from from that. Yeah, and plus you can't turn a computer on until it has been loaded with an operating system and software. And so that's right. You liken us to computers. I do. (laughs) And God made this computer and he needed to load certain software on it because it's, uh, you know, we don't want to end up as just doing the things. Right. We want it to come from our heart and he's in the heart business. And I think a lot of times, you know, uh, as kids growing up, we're reactive to our, to our parents, to our circumstances. And that's actually what we're talking about today because about being intentional and being mature in faith so that we're not like a, a wave tossed by the wind. So I'm just curious, Pastor Jeff, what, how does that land with you when I talk about that drawing close and from that point on? How does that land with you? Right. So, I mean, we, we, we talk about being justified by faith. And so we, we understand, right, there's this moment that, uh, we are given the new heart that, that Ezekiel 36 speaks of, that new, I guess, hardware you're talking about, Rich, that um, where we, we are, as Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3, we're born again. And, and I think that often is a moment. But then we, we spend the rest of our lives, right, um, being sanctified, growing in the Lord, being more conformed to the image of, of God's Son, Jesus. And so that's a process. Right. And I want to be more mature next year than I am this year. I want to be uh, I want to be deeper in my faith 10 years from now than I am now. And so it's just a, a growing, loving relationship now that now that I'm in the family. You know, I'm the, before Christ. The Bible says I wasn't neutral. I was an enemy of God. Mm. Well, now I'm no longer an enemy. I'm a friend. And I'm growing in obedience. I'm growing in faith. I'm growing in maturity. So that that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I love that um, Abraham is considered a friend to God, and it says simply that he believed, and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Amen. And yeah. uh, I, I love that. We're talking about values, and we're talking about the fact that very few people actually know their values and are intentional about living out their values. And now we're actually talking about God's values and how if our lives aren't aligned with that, then we're actually in this place of misalignment. Um, I was reading this morning also Psalm 25, which I pray often because I feel like when you pray the Psalms to God, when you pray his own words back to him, I have this idea that he, uh, I don't know, that he's especially attentive or something. And I was looking at Psalm 25, verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. So we said in our show on February 27th, which is available on kkht.com under the programs tab and podcasts and also courageouschristianity.today, we said that God's values are his way. And here in Psalm 25, in one uh, short couple verses, it says ways several times. And so I think what we know and what we're all alluding to is that 
If we turn our back on the ways of the world and the values of the world and focus instead on the values of God, then that will lead us in paths of righteousness. Does that uh, uh, resonate with you? Yeah, it, it totally does. And, and um, going back to something that Christy said, I think that, and I'm not speaking for you, Christy, but it sounds like maybe we had some similar growing up experiences. And I, I think it's common in places like the the Deep South, like Charlotte or in Dallas or Houston, um, I think that the, the change for me was growing up, you know, values or God's values were something you did on Sunday morning and you did at youth group. But the reality, the, what the Bible talks about is that, you know, I, so I grew up kind of in you compartmentalized. And so you did church stuff and then you did work stuff and then you did recreation stuff. And then as I've grown and, and truly become converted, I realize, man, God wants all of my life. Twenty-four. He wants me to be guided by his values 24-7. And so uh, God's values are important Sunday morning. And God's, you know, if I'm a, a single young guy at 22, God's values are important Friday night at 1130 p.m. There, there, there is not a moment at which I take off kind of that, that um I guess that umbrella of of God's values. You know, uh, I've often used the metaphor that uh, when I was in Afghanistan and we're on this combat outpost in the middle of nowhere, before we would do missions, we would stand around and inspect each other, inspect our flak jackets and make sure we have our ammo and stuff. And then we would go over our rules of engagement. And those rules of engagement would guide us into... Uh, right action in all of the unknown circumstances we could possibly confront. And the point you make is so good about uh, church. Christianity is not what we do for an hour on Sunday in church, but rather church is the combat outpost where we come to hear our rules of engagement and we come to reconnect with everybody so as to prepare us to go out and possibly encounter all the different circumstances and yet still walk them out according to God's values and in a way that glorifies his name. Friends, we're talking to Pastor Jeff Neal, and we are going to continue when we come back. Stay with us. I was dying to be free. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support.
What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, I'm just letting that song play. I love it. I am so thankful that we have... Say that again. It is so good. He's so good. Friends, that's Chad Strader and singing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And all of the music we feature on the show is from Chad, and it's available on Apple Music. And his heart just comes through in every word. And I especially like that song uh, to come back into the second segment, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And Jeff said something in the first uh, segment, Pastor Jeff Neal said, I was talking about the Lord. And I love it when people express, uh, describe Jesus as Lord, because Mm. he's Lord and Savior. And the Lord part is somebody to whom you give your allegiance and somebody Mm. whose values you emulate. And you show up for work and you say, okay, all of this belongs to the Lord. And I exist at his pleasure And I am so grateful, and in my gratitude and in my adoration of this benevolent Lord, how can I please him, and how can I walk in his ways? And those are values. And so, of course, the first thing you are to a Lord is obedient. You don't question, you don't ask, you don't say, I like this rule, but not this one. It's like being a Marine. Hey, show up, here are your crayons, just color. And so we're talking about values. We're talking about the Lord's ways. And we're also talking about the fact that if we are not obedient, then as James chapter one, verse uh, six says, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And I think we see so many Christians who are blown and tossed by the circumstances of this world because they're actually closer to the world's values than God's. Jeff, how do we find our way to that loving obedience to the Lord of all creation? Wow, great question, because I think, Rich, as we were talking before the show, my thought is that there are probably many Christians out there that they are convinced about the values that we've been talking about, and they, they buy into it that wholesale but they ask the question, then why, Jeff, Rich, why do I still sin? Why, I know the values. Why do I not always act on the, value, the, the new values that I have of God? And we know that, that, right, we still have some flesh. We have some of the old nature. And I remember being told as a young man, a new Christian, well, Jeff, just walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I would leave the sermon, and I would think, okay, what does that mean? And so I think there's some... I, I do think there's some practical things that can help us um, actually live out the values that we have bought into these values of God. I would love to hear about that. I think it would help all of us because I think about Paul saying that uh, he knows what's right and he still does what's wrong. What's wrong with him? And yeah, and I, I, I don't. I, I think the devil wants us to think that there's something wrong with us, but. Everyone struggles, and uh, the person who doesn't struggle, I don't know if their standards are high enough. So, yeah, I would love to hear about that. Please tell us more. Sure. Well, I think one, and this is, you know, I, I think for Christians this is often sadly rare, is, is first being honest with God, with self, with others. 
using the Bible, I, I use this with our church, that the Bible is best a mirror first before it's a window. So it's, I want to use it as a window to kind of look at the, the sin of the world. First, I need to use it as a mirror and just be honest and, wow. and you know, have that Psalm 32 moment. David said that he was wasting away when he hid his sin. He began to get some victory when he confessed his sin. And so I think the first part is to be con- to confess, to be humble, to be desperate uh, for God, um, not hide. We, we don't need to play church, play Christian. I think that is so damaging in churches and, and in Christian circles where we're not honest. Yeah. And, and we don't have safe places to confess sin. Absolutely. Uh, we said in the Values show uh, two weeks ago, we were talking and we said one of the first words of Jesus' ministry is repent. And you can't repent if you're not being honest about your sin. And I love yeah. what you're saying. It's a mirror before it's a window. And I think it's so much easier to come to Christianity in judgment. But we know that that is absolutely flawed because uh, who among you is free from sin? Let him cast the first stone. And it's certainly not us. And so be honest and look into the mirror of the Bible. And actually, it's kind of exciting. Bring it all to God and uh, the truth will set you free. I don't have to carry this around with me. Let me share it with uh, Jesus. Let me be yoked to him for his yoke is uh, easy. And I would rather just walk in the truth and let go of all my baggage. Absolutely. And, and I think, Rich, you know, again, this was kind of an aha moment for me years ago. As you said, what, because as you were talking, I'm thinking, why don't Christians come to Jesus? And I think it's because we, we are still maybe not aware that now he's friends. Now he has bought peace for me with God. You know, I'm in the circle, and, and I, thought, I thought just now of Hebrews 4, you know, starting with verse 14, it says, since then, we have, uh, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Absolutely. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. Jesus is who I should turn to when I have sinned or when I'm tempted. I, I'm not cowering now in the corner. Jesus yeah. is an ally right. when but, I'm facing temptation. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, look at human nature. Look at Adam and Eve. As soon as they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid and became aware of their nakedness. And so uh, it must be the, the devil's work, uh, either through pride or shame, that uh, causes us to run from God in our sin. Because, I mean, who pretends that they're perfect? So obviously you're not perfect. So bring it to God. But uh, I think our first instinct is to hide from him. It absolutely is, and I think that's why maybe we stay dominated by it, while we, you know, the devil absolutely uses shame and guilt. Um, and, you know, again, I go back to Psalm 32. It's, it's as if David began to get healing when he confessed his sin, when he brought it to light. Yeah. When I was preparing for the show, I made some notes, and what just came to me is that the world— 
wants us to be focused on feelings and circumstances and feelings about those circumstances. It's all very small and the horizon is very short, but God wants us to be focused on eternity with him. And so, you know, we've said you can know what God values by uh, reading the Bible. And a lot of the time you can know what God values by looking at the world. And if the world wants you to be focused on feelings, then I'll, I'll bet you dollars to donuts. Is that how you say that? That God doesn't want us to be focused on feelings. And uh, I think when we hide in shame, what we're focused on is the feelings associated with some transgression as opposed to the transgression itself, the mud that we're all covered up in and taking our earliest opportunity to wash that mud from us. So because circumstances and feelings about circumstances rule over us, we can be like that wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And Solomon even referred to life as chasing after the wind, if you remember right. And I think he was referring to the transient pressures that we face and impose on ourselves in our feelings about our circumstances. If, is that too confusing? No, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think, again, if, if the enemy can keep us in shame, in that kind of shame-sin cycle, Man, we're, you know, to use your phraseology, we're off the battlefield. We're ineffective. We're not taking ground from the enemy. Um, oh, good point. Instead of coming to the cross and getting the healing and being sent right back on the battlefield like we need to be. Absolutely. Um, seems to me that the world sees the judgment, and from the judgment they feel that they're con- condemned talking about those feelings. But if there was a way uh, that you could see that God, yes, he judges, but we don't understand it, but he judges and accepts and loves us anyway. Yeah. And he, he absolutely knows. He knows where we started. He knows where we're going to end up. He understands the journey and he knows how hard it is because he's walked on this earth. So he is our friend. <laughs> he absolutely is. And, you know, Jeff has made such a brilliant point why does the enemy and the world want us to be focused on feelings? And because if you're focused on feelings, you're not out there in the fight. And if you're not out yeah. there in the fight at the intersection of faith and the secular world, then there is some function for which you were made specifically not getting done on this battlefield. And so you come to the cross, uh, and by the way, it's like an aid station, like a combat army surgical hospital. You come to the cross you confess, you get your healing, and then you get back out in the fight because you cannot serve two masters. You either serve the world or God. And if the world is about feelings and circumstances, God is about healing, eternity, and the good that we can do. So there's that poem that I love to quote. Uh, it's called What I Live For, and the last verse says, I live for those who love me, whose hearts are kind and true, for the heaven that smiles above me and awaits my spirit too. For the wrong that needs resistance, for the cause that lacks assistance, for the future in the distance, and the good that I can do. And so if we are lost in our feelings, we forfeit the good that we can do. Better to come to the cross, repent, and return to the fight. And we're going to talk about that in the third segment. Stay with us. Answer, but I'm good for now. I'm fine, how are you? 
time is a bullet okay. Friends, here's our What Are We Reading This Week segment. This is an excerpt from A Message to Garcia by Albert Hubbard, published in 1899. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountain fastness of Cuba, no one knew where. No mail or telegraph could reach him. The president must secure his cooperation and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, there's a fellow by the name of Rowan will find Garcia for you if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How the fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, in four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot, and having delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point I wish to make is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he at? By the eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze and the statue placed in every college in the land. It is not book learning young men need, nor instruction about this or that, but a stiffening of the vertebrae which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. I read this excerpt to you today, my friends, because we too have been entrusted with a message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unlike Rowan, we have been given very clear instructions on how to deliver this message. Let us act promptly, concentrate our energies, and do the thing. For more information on delivering this message, read Matthew chapter 10. And if you'd like to read more about this short story, search Message to Garcia by Albert Hubbard. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking to Pastor Jeff Neal about living according to God's values, that being the way that obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ actually simplifies things. And as we turn our back on the world and focus on God, not for an hour on Sunday, but throughout the week, as we ask about everything, what is the right thing to do according to God and what he has told us? So, Jeff, as we think through the fact that if we're in our Bibles, we understand what the Lord wants of us. And if we're living a Christian life, we're going to church, we're hearing from from our pastor what the Lord wants from us. And yet, at the intersection of our faith and the secular world, Monday through Friday, we sometimes have difficulty with that. Why is that? Well, uh, the things of the world are, are fun. They're tempting. I mean, there's a reason we sin. Those things bring momentary pleasure. And so I think one thing is just acknowledging um, that there is a piece of us that still is attract. We, we, For instance, if our issue is anger, it's nice to, like, put someone in their place and, and be counted right in that moment. Now, it's, it's not correct, but it feels good for that moment. Or, you know, you take lust or any number of things. Let's just acknowledge, at least at first, that those things are in some way attractive to us at times. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that I've heard in professional development, um, the coaching world, is we really don't do anything without a benefit. So we don't realize it, but there is a benefit in even when we do things that we don't want to do. Yeah, I think that's very true. I'm wondering what the benefit was of your blue nail polish, which I just noticed, and I'm 
I love it. That's a beautiful shade of blue. <laughs> it's like Robin's, is that how you say it? Robin's egg it's blue? It kind of turns out to be Robin's egg. It's spring, and there's somebody that has a birthday in this time frame, and he likes blue. Nice. I was talking <laughs> to a guy yesterday who named uh, one of his daughters Violet. And that looks a little bit violent, but I'm slightly off topic, folks. Hey, uh, there's a benefit. It's it's, it's a benefit, <laughs> but I don't think it's a sin to have blue. You know, um, it's actually an interesting point that you make, Jeff. Let's admit the fact that some of that stuff is attractive to the lesser parts of us, and yeah. um, I think that acknowledgement then says, okay, well, I'd like to be more than my lowest self. And I'd like to uh, see God's ways, which are higher than my little animal, silly ways. Yeah, I I often say, darn my humanity. Right. (laughs) I mean, part of what you're talking about, Rich, is kind of continuing the battle theme, is acknowledging the the power of our enemy. And we, we, we make a grave mistake if we underestimate our enemy, right? And so... Part of it is just acknowledging the pull, but one of the things that's been so helpful to me is, is understanding the grace of God. And so, again, kind of in my early stages, I, I was under the impression that grace is what saved me. I knew that, but then it was my job to continue this Christian growth and to fight sin, and, you know, it was all on me. And then I, I find a verse like um, um, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's not, notice, it's not more rules. It's not more law. It's the grace of God that begins to train me. Not, I don't want to dabble with that anymore. I, I recognize that as ungodly and deadly and, and to make good choices. It's the grace of God that does that. Ah, that is so beautiful to pursue righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And unless we're pursuing God with all of our hearts and asking in every circumstance of our lives, what is the godly thing to do? Why even uh, might this struggle be happening? Because when I look through the lens of faith, is it chastisement? Is it rebuking? Is it training in righteousness? Uh, I think anything else is an attempt to serve two masters, the world and God. And so, truthfully, if you want peace from turmoil, comfort from suffering, quiet from the noise, we choose God. And if you want still in the chaos of the manipulative voices of this world, we choose God. And if we want permanence when everything around us is transient and changing, we choose God. But if we choose God then hold as important what he says is important and do what he says to do. Focus on his ways, and then we will have the desires of our hearts, which he promises us. So uh, I think uh, we said in a show a while ago, uh, the simplicity of doing uh, Mm. God's thing is such a relief. Um, But then again, last week when we were talking about information operations and cognitive warfare, we said that the devil is so crafty because he doesn't just come at us and say, God's a complete liar. He says, did God really say not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So it's subtle. And you made a point, uh, Jeff, you said the pull is subtle. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and the well, devil's crafty. He is. And, 
You know, you've used, I think, Second Timothy 3 a few times, you know, in the, the couple pod, the couple shows I've listened to. And it's interesting that, that, that Paul writes, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. And, and, and so I, I make the case to our church often, do you understand that that means that God's Word, it is going to rebuke us, it's going to correct us, it's going to train us. But we need to start by understanding it's good for me. It's beneficial for me. It, it is helpful for me. It's profitable. I think so many grew up in church and thought that the Bible was just the book that told them the things not to do. But it's a mind shift when I begin to realize, no, these things are good for me. Yeah, I love uh, back to Titus chapter 1, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. And we hear so much of that in the world where nothing is pure, nothing is absolute. There's equivocation, and I'm flipping the pages of my Bible here because I want to go back to Psalm 25. Nothing is pure. And the simplicity of allowing things to be pure, this is what the creator of the universe said. And uh, I love the, this here in terms of things being profitable. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. And mm. he says, uh, let me find it. He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. Well, at the rate we're going in this country, there's not going to be much of a land to inherit because it's going to all be corrupted and about the world and Christians need to step forward. We've been on our back foot long enough at the intersection of our faith and the secular world. We need to stand for, firm and even step forward. And we've talked about being watchmen on the border. And we've said that if we don't give warning, then the blood of the innocent is on our hands. But if we do give warning and they don't listen to us, then their blood is on their heads. And so we have to give warning. And as we said when we started the show, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. So our actions have to be aligned with our words and the word of God. Otherwise, there's no warning to give, because when we say something, people don't listen because we're living in hypocrisy. Is that, uh, is that too hard? No, how, how sad is that? Though, I think you're right, Rich, that, um, that a, a dying world would be unconvinced by the lives of of lukewarm, disobedient Christians that that breaks my heart. But it's it's a reality that we have to uh, that we have to own. Well, yeah. If not us, then who? And if not now, then That's when? Right. I, I mean, can you look around and see more evidence of the fact that we are living absent the truth of God? We have a problem that comes from our denying God or our rejecting His teaching. And then we come up with some superficial solution to that problem. And then that doesn't really work because it's still not of God. So we come up with this next problem. And it's kind of like the cat in the hat, which I guess now is, you know, a Dr. Seuss book that's also being censored. But the cat in the hat where there was that red, uh, he got the red mess on the bathtub. And then he tried to clean the red mess and it ended up all over the house. And then he tried to clean the house and the red mess ended up all over the snow. Remember? So from that first mistake, failure to clean it the right way caused it to get on everything. 
I'm not remembering the book. I'm still stuck on the fact that they're censoring Dr. Seuss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's for another show. But you hear what I'm saying, uh, right. and I'll give you an example. Uh, you talk about premarital sex, lust, living in the sexual world. So this world promotes sex at the drop of a hat. Right. And the next thing you know, there's all kinds of uh, unwanted pregnancy. Mm. And so that's the second order effect of the sexual culture. And then in that unwanted pregnancy, we say, oh, I know how to fix it. Let's have abortions. Yeah. And the the slippery slope, which is greased by the information operations of the devil, such that you took a, a, a good person who got one wheel off the pavement, and the next thing you know, they're off a cliff. Yeah. And... Are you kidding me? And so I think it has a lot to do with the definition of love, Jeff. When when we say, what is love? Is it not setting people up for success, or is it watching them uh, throw themselves off a cliff? Yeah, I think the most unloving thing would do, to be wishy-washy and not warn. I mean, notice the language Paul uses, man, I beseech you, brothers. You know, we warn you. I mean, Paul knows that an eternity apart from God is horrible. And he, he will spend energy and, and his words to warn people from impending doom. And man, we, there's no place for Christians to be on the sidelines. I mean, eternity hangs in the balance. Yeah, it is absolutely life and death. And friends, don't get the, the wrong notion that I'm sitting here thinking I'm perfect or Christy or Pastor Jeff. The absolute truth is that we all struggle. And for me, I have to wake up in the morning and read my Bible uh, faster than the coffee brews because otherwise I have trouble getting my heart in the right place and dealing with the world as it is. And we're going to come back and talk about that some more, have some closing comments. Stay with us, friends. There's a cat outside my window. There's a train two miles away. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship... Contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're back with Courageous Christianity. I am here with my wingman, Christy Stratton, and we're talking to Pastor Jeff Neal from Logos Church in Harlingen, Texas. And Jeff is a former Marine who was called to ministry, and we knew each other in college, and we're talking about God's values and how they are the opposite of the values of the world and how as we... Try to walk those out as courageous Christians. 
and to give warning to the world which lives in darkness, standing on the border between light and dark, and some of the other metaphors that we've used in previous shows. We're wondering why it's difficult. And uh, two weeks ago, I was talking about, uh, I had seen a dog, a little dog walking with his master. And uh, I love dogs, and I think they're on this earth to teach us what uh, love looks like. And I saw this little dog, every few steps, he would look up at his master and kind of say, how am I doing? And uh, master would smile, and they'd walk, and the dog would look up again, and he had this little look of, how am I doing? And now, let's pretend in that beautiful picture, the dog gets focused on a fire hydrant, which dogs tend to do because they have needs. And now the dog kind of pulls away from its master and is focused on this fire hydrant. And if you're wondering what the heck I am talking about, (laughs) I'm talking about the things in the world that pull us away from our obedience to our loving master who wants only the best for us and has plans to prosper us and not to hurt us. So, Jeff, idols, we rarely talk about them, whether it's spending too much time uh, looking at ammo online (laughs) or uh, I'm not saying I'm focused on a fire hydrant, but, you know, I think we all have our things. Work. Christy has blue nail polish. Okay. So there's that. That's one little, I, I do nail mani-pedi every two weeks. It's, God bless you. It's, it's I think it's just idol. honest to say that we have things that distract yeah, us. Well, the work, devil's good at his job. Work. work yeah. Um, friends, going out, whatever it may be. But yeah, there are definitely things in this light, life that. So imagine that, uh, Pastor Jeff, you're looking at this beautiful dog, this little guy walking along with his master, and they're in this loving moment, and then the dog gets distracted, and the next thing you know, he's in the back of the dog catcher's van. Ouch. Yeah. And that's us. Right. Right? One minute we were there, and we were in church, and we were feeling all connected to the love of God, and now here comes Monday morning, and it's something else. You know, it makes me think of when a dog kind of gets overtaken by... Have you ever seen a dog when they bark so much? It's like almost that barking takes them over is what I'm kind of thinking about is whatever we're into kind of takes us over. A paroxysm of, okay. of barking. <laughs> Jeff, idols, people getting distracted as a pastor of a large church. I think it must pain your heart when you see people uh, turning their gaze away from the Lord who loves them and getting distracted by a world and often it leads to pain. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about sin earlier, Rich, and, you know, how we, we think even if we're going to sin, it's like a, a sniper round, and it's going to do limited uh, particular damage. But you and I know it's like, a, it's like a hand grenade going off. It's not just that if I have an affair, my wife has hurt it, that the kids are hurt, and, you know, and, and that, I mean, just, it, it's messy. It, sin brings forth death. Um. And Tim Keller talks about our hearts and says that our hearts are little idol factories. And so we are constantly having to be aware, hey, what are my potential idols? What, what are the things that, hey, not, it's not just something I enjoy, but now it's something that is consuming me. And it is starting to, to get into a, uh, a place in my heart that is not proper. It's now taking some some glory or some time away from God. I mean, because good things can be idols. Right. You know, oh, what's one of those? Idol. 
work can be an idol. Um, it's when those things begin to take us away from the presence of God or take our affections away from God in some way. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but the look in that dog's eyes when he just looked up at his master was so at peace. And it, it reminded me of Jesus saying, uh, all you who are weary and heavy laden, uh, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find peace for your souls. And we've said that doing the things of God, pursuing holiness and righteousness, we're a holy nation of priests set aside for the special purpose, each of us beautifully and wonderfully made to work on this battlefield so as to accomplish the Lord's plan. And we get distracted. And then that heart, which the Bible also says is who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. And so we get off track and then the devil has his way and all that potential is wasted. And it's not just the potential is wasted. It's like you said, that was a, a very scary uh, metaphor. It's not a sniper round. It, it's not this one business deal that lacks integrity or that takes advantage it's what it does to my soul and the community like a hand grenade, the ramifications of which I can't possibly fully envision. Yeah, and uh, you know, a light just went off for me, Rich, when we were talking about the dog, and you said, I, I watched it when it had its eyes on its master. And then there's a moment at which it did not, and it began to avert its eyes elsewhere. And that I think that is the perfect picture of us that's why Jesus, I think, spent so much time in John 15 telling us to abide in him, to remain in him, because our hearts are fickle. We are, we are you know, ADD, you know, spiritually and, and captivated by the shiny thing outside the window, and we take our eyes off the master, and we end up in a situation where we say, how did I end up here apart from Jesus? We took our eyes off him. We stopped abiding in him. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff, as we work toward the end of the show, uh, with these thoughts, uh, what would you like to leave our listener with? What are your final thoughts for, for abiding in Christ? Yeah, man, that the whole John 15, the first 11 verses, um, you know, uh, Jesus just says it over and over, abide in me, remain in me. And I love this promise. I mean, li- listen to the, the loving heart of Jesus in verse 11 as he kind of finishes this thought. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, living according to the values of God, what we've been talking about this week and you've been talking about for a couple of weeks, abiding in Jesus it's not that I have this miserable, cold Christian existence. It's that I actually get to experience the joy of Jesus and that it's full. He wants, he says in another verse, he wants his, our joy to be abundant. He wants us to have this abundant life, not a lifeless life, not a miserable life, but he wants us to have a joyful, full life. That and we is... get there, we stay there by remaining in him. I love it. Friends, that is the truth. You've heard it from Pastor Jeff Neal of the Logos Community Church in Harlingen, Texas. And it brings us to our moment of truth, because as you know, in every show we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. 
And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. Our moment of truth today comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Friends, like the theme uh, of our show today, just do it. If nothing else, just do it. Like Rowan in the message to Garcia, we are responsible for delivering the message of hope in Jesus Christ. And in order to deliver that message, our hearts must be right. And we must be focused on our uh, master because it's a fast moving battlefield. And if we are not in communication, then it's easy for us to get cut off. If this message is valuable to us, people will know it. They will know it by what we value, by the choices we make based on those values, and by the actions our choices compel. It is a choice. It's not about the world. It's about the Word of God and our heart's response to that Word. And that brings us to our quote of the day, which I think is very simple. I don't know who said it, but I think it bears repeating. And it is this, when your actions contradict your words, your words don't mean anything. Friends, it's about alignment. What you say you hold dear and what you actually hold dear must be the same or you will live in misalignment. In this day and age, we attach too much importance to the feelings and words of the world and not enough importance to walking out our faith in disciplined devotion. It's hard and it's, it's hard for all of us. There are internal and external forces contending for our time, for our attention, for our opportunity in the kingdom of God, and for our souls. The world leans on us. It's a spiritual battlefield. And so as we make choices to apportion our resources, our time, our attention, our money, and our energy, we must assure that we do so according to that which God values most. That is how we fight back. We live godly lives by asking throughout the circumstances of our days, what does God value? And then we act. And that is courageous Christianity. I want to thank our guest, Pastor Jeff Neal of Logos uh, Church in Harlingen, Texas. Pastor Jeff, thank you so much. Hey, I've loved it, Rich, how only God would bring us together back right after several decades. Love it. He is an amazing God. And tell us how our listeners can find you and your sermons online. Sure. You can uh, find us on Facebook, Logos Community Church, same thing on YouTube, or uh, our website, logoscommunitychurch.org. And I love it. Uh, Friends, thank you, Pastor Jeff. Just an amazing gift you give us with your time. Friends, thank you for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, the word at kkht.com or on courageouschristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify. <laughs>